The Joy of Six, Episode 3, First Match for the Village Team. Looking through the glossary of cricketing terms, I learned a couple of new ones today. Apparently a rabbit is a very weak batsman, usually a specialist bowler who gets put into bat late in the running order and is expected to get out cheaply. However, there is a term for a worse batsman, a ferret, because they go in after the rabbit. As things stand, I am a ferret. After second lockdown, I finally got another chance in the nets in April 2021. M, the giant Dutchman, was there, and another giant of a man, E, who was an ex-army major, though only 40. The main incidents at this session were that E practically got his foot smashed up when one of M's fast balls caught him full toss on the foot. I also got a proper bit of batting coaching. My right arm is too stiff, apparently, and I need to step towards the ball. This helped a lot. At one point, I actually went for a slog, connected, and I actually slogged the ball. Of course, it might have been a catch in a real game, but it felt like a significant moment. The other thing I realised was that I cannot possibly play another game until I get new glasses. I made the appointment, and sure enough, I now have, as well as short-sightedness and long-sightedness, astigmatism as well. All, of course, age-related. But the good news is that under the second lockdown, I started running. The problem I have with my left leg is not straightforward. It would be termed a chronic pain condition, probably, meaning that it has never really been diagnosed. I've just called it sciatica over the years. Anyway, in recent months, I seem to have made a breakthrough in recovery. Now, there's a bit of a cosy myth about village cricket, that the teams are made of the entire body of reasonably able-bodied people in a village. Now, this may be true in some of the more remote and underpopulated regions, but around here, it's a very different story. Our village cricket team isn't even actually attached to a village. It's only a hamlet. The only amenity is a pub, but there are lots and lots of people who want to play for this team. They come from villages all around the area. It's just a very popular village cricket team. In addition to this, lockdown seems to have reawakened dreams of cricketing glory in a lot of men other than myself. The result is that, much as I may secretly dream of hitting a six in a village cricket match, at the moment just playing for a village cricket team is quite an ambition. Being aware of this, I decided to be a bit more dynamic than usual. On the team WhatsApp, I saw that they needed volunteers to take down the old nets. When I arrived, I hit the jackpot. The captain, B, was there with just two others. Now, he's an alpha male type with a head like a cannonball, busting out with alpha male confidence and bonhomie. Taking down the nets involved climbing tall ladders against a structure that we were essentially weakening as we went along, making it hazardous work. We used rusty, blunt Stanley knives. B, the captain, made it clear that he openly despised the whole notion of health and safety, and at one point he actually fell quite a considerable height. It didn't seem to affect him. I was determined to be robust and helpful, and I took over climbing duties, even though a similar fall would probably have done my leg in for good. Luckily, I had no accidents. At one point, the captain pointed out that he had brought my novel, The Peppered Moth, and that he had actually read half a page of it. He quickly added that he wasn't really a reader, so I didn't take it personally. My attitude throughout was no-nonsense, practical, and above all, no silly remarks. The last piece of the jigsaw was to get my new glasses sorted. However, in the days that followed, I did have a setback with my leg. 
I overdid the running, and I was back to crawling upstairs on my hands and knees. In the midst of this, I got a WhatsApp with the team list for an upcoming friendly against a neighbouring village. I had been selected. The day of the match, the leg had settled again and the weather was perfect. Sunny, but not too hot. On arrival, I went to the nets, where a youngster was padded up and being bowled to by a very fit and robust-looking older man, who was not in cricket whites, and he turned out to be an umpire. I bowled a few balls to warm up, even taking a wicket. Then, when I saw that things were starting to happen, I went over and made myself known to to the captain again. B asked me an all-important question. What do you like to do, bat or bowl? I quite fancy myself as a bowler, I replied. Not a strong batsman, and generally my ambition is not to disgrace myself. We won the toss and put the opposition into bat. Our team consisted chiefly of men in their 40s, with a sprinkling in their 50s and even 60s, with also a couple of youngsters, including one tall young man who is the captain's son. I'd come to a profound realisation about cricket during the dad's game. The real joy of it is that the world falls away. One's mind focuses only on the game. And for a few hours, all our worries and obsessions vanish. At the dad's game, I hadn't understood this, and I'd made the error of asking fellow players about their jobs and generally chatting away to all and sundry. I now saw that this was a serious faux pas that had made me unpopular, robbing people of the escape they yearned for. I wasn't going to make that mistake again, and here was an entirely fresh group of people, not one of whom had been in that dad's game. Even my giant Dutch friend M wasn't there, although I must say that I regret it. The tall young lad was put on to bowl first. I assumed he was 18 or 19, but later I was told he was 50. Such was the speed and accuracy of his first ball that I felt instinctively embarrassed. Surely there was a rule against having such a good sportsman in a village cricket team. The balls were terrifyingly fast, and he took two wickets in the first over, a third in his second, for practically no runs at all the wicket disintegrating like a collapsing temple in an earthquake. The other bowler, a man with grey hair who looked like a shrunken version of Gérard Depardieu, alternated with this firebrand for several overs, but he took no wickets. He did, however, keep the score very low. Things settled down and the batsmen started to score a few runs. I was placed in the outfield and found myself sprinting after the ball several times. Each time it was perfectly clear that the ball was going for a four, but I couldn't exactly saunter after it and I felt that I had to look as though I was trying to catch up with the thing. I was just starting to feel smug about being able to do all this running when disaster struck. I sprinted enthusiastically after another boundary ball, but as I threw it back to the bowler, I realised I had overdone it, and I had set off my leg pain. When this happens, it causes a chain reaction. The pain doesn't just come and then gradually go. It gets worse and worse until I'm completely debilitated. I can spend weeks, even months, in pain. Terrible thoughts began to crowd in. I had arranged two nights of camping with my children the day after the match. Now I would be lugging gear, putting up tents, trying to join in expeditions and activities, all in pain. Then it occurred to me that I was likely about to be asked to bowl. With my leg already set off, this could be catastrophic. But telling the captain I now was unable to bowl would almost certainly cancel me out as a useful member of the team forever and bring permanently to a close my dream of hitting a six. In this kind of emergency, I have one thing I can turn to. Drugs. I always have a prescription of Valium available. I like to think I'm not an addict. I can go through a whole year with just one subscription. 
and the tablets are a very low dose. Out in the field I popped a couple of pills. The effect was not instant, but after a while something weird started to happen. I am not by nature, you might have noticed, an optimist. But I do know that optimism is a great quality to possess. I just think you can't really fake it. It's either in our makeup or not. However, as I was standing there fielding, letting a Valium calm my catastrophizing, a voice popped into my head and said these unfamiliar words. I can smell glory. Now, this has never happened to me before. Odd though this was, I liked the sound of it, and I started to say it out loud, very quietly to myself. Not over and over like an insane mantra, but just two or three times, calmly. I can smell glory. Valium is a muscle relaxant, and it seems to stop my leg pain by breaking a vicious cycle of anxiety and tensing muscle, combining to somehow impinge the nerve. If Valium didn't have side effects, drowsiness, memory loss, addiction, early death, I'd probably have Valium for breakfast every day. What I've got to do, I realise, is somehow learn to be my own Valium. Yoga, meditation, all these things would probably help, but they are things I've tried and found unbearable. When I was asked to bowl, I felt a bit calmer. I was still concerned about the leg, but I figured I had to have a go. There was really no choice, so I would have to just pray the leg didn't go really nasty and put me back on crutches, as it once did for about three years. I determined to be calm, take my time. I marked my start point instead of the absurd spectacle I'd presented at the dad's game when I'd paced out my run between each ball like a tit. The wicketkeeper asked me what sort of balls I bowled, and did he need to stand back. I told him I was mid-paced, and he stood close to the wicket. My first ball landed on the leg side and went for four leg buys. Then I took a wicket, smashing the middle stump out of the ground. This was huge. Surely I thought something of a fluke, but there it was. What is more, the whole team were now walking towards me, everyone insistent, on a fist bump, with murmurs about the ball being unplayable, brilliant. I was smelling glory indeed. What is more, from the despair I had felt in the outfield earlier, I was suddenly positively enjoying myself. A wicket! I'd got a wicket in a game. My leg instantly felt better. Massive, positive vibes now having a powerful healing effect. Then I got another wicket. The stump whacked almost flat and another batsman heading off to the pavilion. This time I tried a little triumphant leap into the air. Then I realised that the fist bumps were all coming again. And what is more, people were looking at me like, this is a handy player. This was respect. Respect, I'm ashamed to say, that I've never enjoyed in any other walk of life. And it didn't end there. In my second over, I bowled an accurate ball that whacked the batsman soundly on the pads and I got to yell, how's that? And he was gone. A batsman who'd been in for a considerable time. Although I got no wickets in my last over, I was practically high and there was more good news to follow. They scored only 74 runs, which we quickly matched with a loss of only five men. It was a resounding victory, and I never had to bat, which meant that no disgrace marred my glorious three wickets. If I'm ever to hit a six, obviously I will need to bat, but I need batting practice and coaching, and for now, it's better that I remain at the pavilion during our innings. And the glory did not end there. Not only had I taken three scalps, but I'd done so with just three runs, which meant that I now topped the rankings on the team website as the bowler with the best average. 
the giant Dutchman M heaped praise upon me through WhatsApp, saying that I would be able to dine out on this triumph for years. And as he put it, you've bought yourself years worth of cricketing failure. However, I was soon brought back down to earth. When I informed my wife that I'd got three wickets, she replied, is that good? And when I tried to show her the Hall of Fame entry on the website, she said, most average bowler? That doesn't sound great. But undoubtedly, I have earned myself a place on the team, and I can now start to work at improving my batting. It's inevitable that at some point, I'm going to find myself at the crease. So, thanks for listening. In episode four, I watch a high-pressure, limited-overs game, and I realise that I have a serious attitude problem. Goodbye, and good luck. Good night.